If you have a Bible with you today, find the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter number two, Luke chapter two. Today is part three of our Christmas series. We've been uh, in the month of December here just looking at the Christmas story from the Bible, different parts and pieces of it, and saying what can we learn and how can we focus on this beautiful event, Uh, the birth of Jesus, this wonderful moment where God sent his son to be born as a baby uh, and to be a a human being. And for us, we've heard this so often that we, we oftentimes lose the wonder of it. We talk about that a little bit last week, Uh, but God becoming man, being born, and all of that type of stuff, Uh, and and Christmas cookies are great. I love that. In fact, if you have extra, drop them off at my home, and we would love to just participate in that with you, Uh, but Christmas lights and Christmas trees and presents and families and meals and movies, all that stuff is so great, and I love that, but Christmas is more than that. Uh, Just like Dr. Seuss wrote so beautifully all those years ago in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Put that slide up for me. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. Uh, And so someone just needs to tell the Grinch, yes, you got it, but what you're missing is Jesus. What you're missing is Jesus in this. He's the more. He's what we're missing. He's what this is all about. We know that. We say things like the reason for the season and don't take Christ out of Christmas. And we got all sorts of sayings. But how many of you know that our culture is pulling at us every single day? Every TV show and commercial and Facebook ad and whatever else is pulling us in the other direction saying, no, 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 Christmas is about this. Uh, And and so it it does us good to, to come back to what this is really uh, about. If you were here two weeks ago, Pastor Carson, who was the one who leads our kids, he spoke uh, this amazing message on trusting God even when we don't understand. We looked at the story of Mary. An angel shows up to a teenage girl and she uh, doesn't know what's happening and she's all confused and she had all sorts of reasons to be like, I don't, how can this even happen? But she responds with these beautiful words, I am the Lord's servant, may, like, may your words to me be fulfilled. And it's just a beautiful story of a girl who trusts God even when things do not make sense. And there's so much we can learn from Mary. Then last week we talked about the wonder of Christmas uh, and, and the way in which we respond to Jesus has everything to do with us experiencing the wonder of Christmas. Uh, if you missed either of those messages, you can find those on our website and watch any of that stuff or listen to those. We've got podcasts and all sorts of things that I don't really understand, but we got those and you can find it or find a teenager to help you find it is maybe what some of us need but that's okay. And that brings us to today, uh, and I'm excited to see what comes next in the story and to see what God would say to us just over the next few minutes. So please stand with me all over this place, and we're just going to read our passage of scripture today. This is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse number 8. Last week we talked about the wise men and and their role in this story. Today we look at the shepherds uh, and what we can learn from these, from these men. And so uh, Luke 2 verse 8 it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. 
the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing as that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Let's pray. God, for just a few minutes we have together today, we pray that this would be significant. We pray that your very word would um, go forth and speak to hearts and minds. And I pray, God, that every person in this place would receive exactly what they need, that those who need to be encouraged would be encouraged, that those who are struggling without and feel like there is no hope for their life, we pray that there would be hope today. God, that you would show us things and speak to us. God, we invite you into this moment in such a huge way, and we give this to you in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, well, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things to do is read 500-page biographies about famous people. Anybody else? Yeah, I might be the only one. That's okay. I picked up a book recently. I'm actually 300 pages into it, and it's only about a week. I've been flying through this thing. I've loved it, actually. And uh, some of you are going to like, this is so dumb, but that's okay. Um, the biography is uh, on an athlete from the 80s and 90s named Bo Jackson. Anyone remember that name? Okay, some of you are too young and some of you don't care and all that type of stuff and that's okay, but I'm going to tell you anyway, um, Bo Jackson is considered by many to be the greatest pure athlete that has ever existed. Like, put that picture on the screen for me. This is Bo Jackson from the 80s and 90s. Bo knows, if you remember this, uh, they had all these commercials they'd play for Nike, you know, and they'd say, Bo knows football, and then they would have him playing this, and Bo knows baseball, and uh, Bo knows basketball, and then they'd have, like, a hockey player, like, skate up and say, uh, no, Bo does not know hockey, and everyone laughed and giggled, and it was a really fun commercial that Nike had. But this is a pure athlete who, what made him really famous is that he played professional football, NFL, and professional baseball at the same time. Uh, and that just does not happen, and uh, there's only a, two or three people in history that ever tried something like that. Uh, but, and if it wasn't for an eventual injury, he probably would be in, a, in the Hall of Fame in both sports, actually. Uh, but his best sport was probably track and field. Now, let me tell you this, and then there's a reason I'm bringing this, and I'm going to go fast, I promise, because we got to get to the Bible. But when he was in high school, this man attended this rundown inner city school in Alabama. They did not have a track like for track and field, they did not have hurdles. They used to set up desks, and he used to jump over desks. That's how he trained. Uh, they didn't have a high jump, high jump equipment and mats to land on, and they would take cardboard boxes and like foam that they'd get from stores, you know, and they would pile them up, and he would jump on that. And yet, his junior year, he broke four state track records. 
four of them, his junior year. Uh, uh, he joined a state tournament event called the Decathlon, and any track and field type of people understand this is the ultimate event. It's 10 individual events that are competed in, and then there's a total score, and you have like an overall track star that wins the decathlon is what that is. They run sprints, they do jumping stuff, throwing different things, pole vault, long distance running, and the list goes on. Bo gets thrown into this event having never even done some of the events before. In fact, you read the thing, and he gets to, he never practiced, he, he gets to this thing called the discus, which is this disc about this big made of metal, super heavy, and the big, huge guys would grab it, and they grab it like this, and they spin around, and they actually launch it this way. He took the thing and threw it like a Frisbee. He did not know any better. And the first, so you get three turns at it. He throws the first one as a Frisbee and it doesn't go so well. Someone quickly like says, no, 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 do this, do this. And he broke the Alabama state record (laughs) without ever doing it before. It was like, what is going on here? Um, And long story short, if you look back at history in the newspaper records for that day, you will see that Bo Jackson won the Alabama high school state decathlon by just a hair. But the real story is he did not win by just a hair. The real story is he was so far ahead in the thing that he said, I don't want to do the last two events. And he didn't run in the long distance event at all and didn't even participate in them. And he wins this thing. Okay, why do I tell you any of this except it's fun to listen to for about 10 of us here. Uh, Okay, but um, high school Bo Jackson was doing superhuman things in everything that he did. Uh, there's a story of him in the shallow end of a swimming pool, three and a half feet deep, and from a planted position in the water, he jumped up onto the ledge, out of the water. I don't even understand, okay? Uh, it's the stuff of legends. It's like this, uh, okay? Uh, who knows if even this stuff is true, but a bunch of people say it is, so we'll just go there, okay? But he's doing incredible things as a high school athlete, and everybody and their brother was going to see him. And they were saying, we've got to go see what Bo's going to do next. We've got to see this. And people would drive for miles around to watch him do incredible things on the baseball diamond and the football field and track. Um, In a way, it was come and see what Bo will do, is what we have. Uh, In the story of Christmas, the shepherds have a moment like that. Uh, But it's not an athlete that they're going to see, and it's not anything that any human has accomplished or has done. The shepherds must go see what God has done, is what we have in our story. They're on the field, which by the way, it says they were living out in the field. It gives you a little bit of a glimpse of who these people were. Okay, Shepherds are out in the field. It's what they do. It's their full-time, all-the-time job, watching and protecting their flock of sheep. Now, flock to me seems like the wrong word for sheep, doesn't it? I'm like, isn't this sheep like a herd or something? But no, 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 I looked it up. It's a flock of geese and a flock of sheep. Doesn't make any sense, but that's for somebody, okay? Uh, But the angel says to them, don't be afraid, I bring you the good news. The the Messiah has been born today. You'll find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly the sky is filled with angels. They're as far as you can see. They're singing and they're saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Could you imagine? We can't. We can't even imagine what this would have looked like. And boom, they're gone. The angels disappear. It's night and it's dark and the shepherds are one once again, all alone with their sheep. And, uh, but back, back to the angel. The angel appears, and it's really this invitation that the angel gives them. 
It's an invitation. What is this invitation? An invitation to what? An invitation to come and see what God has done. To come and see what God, come and see this thing that God has done. And the shepherds hear this from the angels. Come and see what God has done. And look how they respond in in verse number 15. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. Translation, we've got to go check this out. We have got to go see what God has done. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now this was originally, this account that we have, that we read in the Bible, originally wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek. And we have an English translation of this, is what we have. And, uh, and, and uh, I love this, the word hurried in the Greek is the word spedo, not, not speedo, don't, okay, get some of you can't even believe you thought that, okay, not speedo, uh, but spedo, uh, our English word speed comes from the root of this word, and it says the shepherds hurried, but it's more like they sped away, this is, if, if they had cars, this was going 90 in a 60 to go see what God has done, or probably a better overall translation of this is like the shepherds ran, They ran to go see what God had done. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And they ran. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They run to go see this thing. They find Mary and Joseph and the baby. And when they saw him, the story says, they began to tell people spread the word and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Last week we talked about the wise men. This week we talked about the shepherds and for just a few minutes I want to take a step back in this story and I want to ask the question why did God choose these people to be a part of this story? Out of anybody that he could have chosen he chooses wise men and he chooses shepherds. Uh, and, And listen you could not have chosen two groups that were more different than each other to be in this story. And when we read this, we should immediately be thinking, God did this on purpose. And of course he did. Like, think about it. We have the angels showing up to them. God chose them. Uh, in fact, go ahead and put that next slide up. There's two groups that could not be more different. We have the shepherds who are Jewish We have the wise men who are pagan. This would have been the way that they viewed religion and God. Very, very different spectrums of the world. We have the shepherds who were poor and the wise men who were wealthy. You don't travel hundreds of miles and bring gifts of gold and some of this type of stuff unless you have money, okay? The shepherds are local, like right there. We're gonna go run and see what God has done. We have the wise men who were foreign, who lived hundreds of miles away from the east and have traveled all of this way, we have people who are totally different than each other in every single way. Uh, The shepherds never touched gold or frankincense and myrrh, let alone give them as gifts. Okay, the shepherds would have spoken the same language as Mary and Joseph. They would have known the same dad jokes. It's true. Okay, they would have 
shopped at the same malls and been to the same restaurants. The wise men come from a completely different part of the world. They're like, they're not from around here, if you know what um, I mean with that. Uh, we don't know this for sure, but more than likely, they did not speak the same language even as Mary and Joseph. There would have been some messiness in this whole entire thing. They certainly didn't dress like them. Uh, and these are the characters that God purposely picks out, plucks out of history, and puts in the story of the birth of the very Son of God. Why? That's the question. What's the point? What is God trying to do here? Why in the world would he choose shepherds and why in the world would God choose wise men? There were better choices. Okay, and so two things here. I'm going to give you one for the shepherds and one for the wise men. The shepherds in the story of Christmas show that everyday ordinary people are included in God's story. Now, this is important. You don't have to be special. You don't have to be elite. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have status. In fact, the shepherds were quite lowly. Uh, their status in society, not very high, did not make very much money. These were humble, hardworking, everyday, ordinary people. See, naturally, whether you are willing to admit this or not, naturally as humans, we place certain people above other people. We just do this. We, we, like, we may not say it out loud or, or, you know, the fact that we have a ranking system in the back of our mind, but it's like, we don't say that, but we, we do this. We place certain people above others. And these shepherds, they were Jewish, they were local, they were small town, but in the ranking system of their culture, that the culture Jesus was born into, they were at the bottom. They were at the very bottom. They aren't spiritual superheroes in, in, in any way. These, are, these aren't people who prayed more than other people. These are dirty, out in the field, needing showers, working with animals, people. This is who they were, and God completely on purpose, completely planned, chooses them, sends angels to them. And listen, like, I, I just, I don't care who has labeled you as what in the culture you live in or whatever. Like, I don't care if you have money or you don't. I don't care what you look like, what you dress like, where you live. The shepherds in the story, it just screams. God choosing them screams this idea of everyday ordinary people are a part of the story of God. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And then we get to the wise men. The shepherds teach us everyday ordinary people like the wise men in the story of Christmas show us that all people are included in God's story. And some of us are like, wait, isn't that the same? You know, it, like it's, it's actually very different. Uh, in fact, I cannot begin to describe to you how backwards this would have seemed in the Jewish culture that Jesus was born into. This was a Jewish Messiah. This was predicted the Messiah would come for the Jewish people to save them and liberate them and all of that. The shepherds, though super poor and kind of outcasts, at least fit into this narrative. The wise men, they do not. This is messy. This is confusing. Like, I, I cannot imagine what it would have been like for Mary and Joseph to answer the door and have the wise men there. This doesn't make any sense like, imagine that you had a baby and a group of Muslim people show up at your door. Their skin is very different than you. They speak a totally different language than you do. 
And they show up with gifts saying, we've come to worship your baby. Imagine the feeling that comes with that. This is the story of the wise men. We look past all this stuff and say, wow, isn't it beautiful? They traveled from afar and followed the star and gave gold to the baby. Why, look what they and what God has done. This is messed up. This is weird. They don't even talk the same. They don't look the same. They're foreigners. This is what, what a strange thing. And, and, and God on purpose includes them in the story for a reason. On purpose, he understand that like, differences typically divide people, right? I mean, you understand what I, what I mean when I say that? Differences typically divide. We see this in our personal relationships. We see this in the lives of others. When people are different than each other, those differences typically bring division. I'm not saying even that that's a racist thing or that that's horrible. This is just real life. Differences divide. Uh, but in the Christmas story, like, it creates this connection for all. All people together, God wants to include everyone in his family. So God invites nearby, everyday, ordinary shepherds. And he invites far away, very much different wise men. And both groups are invited to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Differences divide, but Jesus unites. Now, music team, will you please come? Come and see this beautiful thing that God has done. And the shepherds run. They spedo there. They ran to see. And they began to tell people everywhere. The wise men see something in the sky and say, this must be God. We're going to travel days and even months to see what this thing is. We're going to bring gifts and invest in all of that. Please stand with me all over this place. This morning, we watched our kids sing songs and almost fall off the stage. And Anyone else jump a little a couple times? I, I was in the front row about ready to save lives. I knew that for sure. Uh, but we watch this stuff and it's so fun. It's so fun to see that and have our kids be a part of those things and act out the beautiful story of what God has done. We read together from the Bible. We sang songs. We saw strange contrast in characters that are included in the Christmas. Like God has done something new. God has done something important. God has done something that makes life worth living. And I'm telling you, we can find hope in the Son of God, in this life, walked, walked the earth and eventually would die a criminal's death, a horrible death. God did that for us. He did that for you. And I, and I understand fully in this place, we have people from all sorts of different religious backgrounds. As we have grandparents and families and friends who have come and maybe your church is very different than this. Maybe church is not your thing. And, and for you, this is, this is awkward. And you're standing here saying, you know, I like that my kid was here, but uh, uh, this isn't really my thing. Just understand this room right here is filled with people who, who God has, has done incredible things in their lives. 
this isn't just about religion. It isn't just about going through motions and doing church stuff and being good people. This is about a God who sent his son and who died so that we could be forgiven and free and find hope in a world that is filled with hopelessness. And there's story after story in this place of people who made a mess of their lives and God radically came in and changed things for them. And I don't know what it is that you're carrying with you. I don't know what it is that, that you're thinking when it comes to this type of stuff. But listen, listen, there is hope and there is peace and there is love and there is beauty in a God who has done so much. God, we come to you with, with our hurt, with our pain. And God, I just pray even for some specific groups of people in this place. I pray for those who, who have something physical in their body or in somebody that they love, cancer situations, terminal illness, serious physical things. Some people even who have family members in hospice in this moment and things are looking like it's the very end. God, I pray that you would bring peace and I pray that you would bring help and I pray, God, that they would know that you are right there next to them every step of this journey. And God, we pray for supernatural things to even happen in some physical bodies, that you would do miracles in someone who has something terminal, God, that has been diagnosed on them. Lord, I pray for that. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would do a miracle, God. God, we pray for family situations and and, and marriages that are hanging on by a thread, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that something significant would happen and would come even in this moment right now. God, for children who are so far from where they should be, God, that you would draw them back and that even right now in this moment, something would take place in a mind or a heart, God, that would bring change. We hold our loved ones before you, oh God. God, we pray for people who are deep and struggling with mental illness, depression, and anxiety. God, the weight of the world just feels like it is on our shoulders. And God, I just pray for a breakthrough. I pray that we would know that you are there, that we would feel you close. And even in the midst of some of the darkest valleys and darkest things we could face, God, that supernatural things would begin to happen and that we would see you so clearly. God, challenge us and change us and move us and use all of this junk for your good and your glory and to change us. And so, Lord, we give this stuff to you. Before we go, just with no one looking around, just for a moment, we're just about done. But we always want to give people an opportunity to really respond to the message of Jesus, even for the very first time. Maybe you're here today and, and you have never, in your own heart, made a decision to respond to Jesus. I'm not saying, like, do you go to church? I'm not saying, have you been baptized or confirmed? But have there, has there ever been this moment for you where you say yes to God and yes to what he has done? And with no one looking around, just a, a, a moment here. If you're here in this place or you're watching behind a screen right now and you would say, I want to respond to Jesus. I want to, I want to give him my life. I want to receive what he has done. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. I just wanna pray for you. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you, you can put your hand down. Anybody else that would just say, yes, today is my day. This is my moment.
If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond too. This is a heart thing between you and God. Church, let's just pray this together. Everyone in this place, let's pray. Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? Let's just celebrate what God has done today.